All right, here we are, a lawyer talk, legal advice Wednesday. Had some issues today interfacing with 99.7, so we're going to take our own questions. We're going to take some of the lawyer talk questions that have been stockpiling up over the last uh, couple or three or four weeks and uh, see if we can uh, get some answers out there for folks who need them. Um, Thanksgiving right around the corner. No, it's not. It's canceled. Except for those who had to cancel because you happen to have families that are bigger than what's the number i don't even know what what's the number, number? what's all, the number all i know is the meme of i think, he, I think <laughs> coming to a thanksgiving we had to post you. that we had to post we're gonna put that up on facebook i think but the, the, like the, his little eyes peeking out remember the saturday <laughs> live with eddie murphy when he was gumby and they had like the gumby out there it's like all oh, that's all i can think of <laughs> but um yeah, so Thanksgiving right around the corner. We're going to get some answers out there. You know, I get this. Uh, the one question I've received, and I've received it many, many times, is people ask me all the time. They got a drunk driving case or a DUI. First, we'll just call it a first offense just because it is, uh, those are the most common, I think. But um, you get a license suspension, and uh, you, you don't know whether you should reinstate your driver's license because the case is still going on or whether you should. Uh, not reinstate it and everything else. So it, it, I'm going to sort out that in as simply as I can. If you're driving a car under the influence or you're driving a car, you are pulled over and accused of driving under the influence of alcohol. And they ask you to take a breath test or a urine test or a blood test. And you say, no, I hereby refuse. The police are wearing two different hats. Now they're not real hats but they are virtual hats. The one hat is they are law enforcement officers for the city of Columbus or whatever jurisdiction you got, state of Ohio, if they're troopers. The other hat is they are acting as uh, agents or workers for the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles. If you refuse a test based on an administrative action by the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles, they have to suspend your license swiftly and surely. Swift and sure was their initial brochure back in the late 90s. Uh, they suspend your license, and it's called an administrative license suspension, and if you refuse, it's one year. If you take a test and register a result above the legal limit, then it is theoretically a 90-day suspension. So that's the first suspension you get. Now, if you take a blood test, breath test, or a blood test or a urine test, and you don't have a result right away, there is no suspension because you have submitted to the test. In other words, you didn't refuse, but they don't have a result yet. And what will happen then is once they get a result, then you'll probably get a knock on the door and they will deliver you the paperwork <clears throat> to impose the administrative license suspension. Shift gears. You go to court, you hire a good lawyer, say, like Yavich and Palmer, those folks I hear are pretty good. And they're representing you in court and you show up and you have your administrative license suspension and the case goes on and on and on. Um, and it lasts more than 90 days because you took the test above the legal limit and now you're sort of in this no man's land. And I get this question all the time. Uh, first of all, what kind of suspension is it? What should I do? Should I reinstate because the Bureau is sending me paperwork, et cetera? Well, here's the deal. Um, you should reinstate if your lawyer says so. But understand this. If you don't reinstate, if you don't pay the fee to the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles, then it doesn't mean that the license, that your license comes back to you. It doesn't mean that you're allowed to drive, and it doesn't mean that your privileges, so if you've got limited driving privileges to drive to and from work, they are no longer good after that a 90-day period or year or whatever the situation would be. So if you don't reinstate, your privileges uh, expire. 
If you reinstate, you can drive free and clear, but not forever. Because if your case gets resolved and you are convicted of something and the judge is going to give you a license suspension, not the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, but the judge, they could say, all right, I'm going to give you a one-year license suspension because that is part of the negotiated deal or you're convicted, you're found guilty. Now you got a year. Now you're going to get credit. It'll go back to the date of the offense and you'll get credit for the 90 you served. Um, and it'll sort of smash out the other one. But now you got a new license suspension. You'll get a new set of driving privileges and uh, you are back on the road at least until those things expire. And again, if you don't reinstate at the end of that year, well, you got big problems and uh, your privileges are gone, your license is no good, and uh, you will surely get in trouble again. So, Do you really need a driver's license to drive in the United States? Uh, there's like some Sunday laws somewhere written that where you only need it if you're doing commercial driving. You don't really need a driver's license. Yeah, and you know, there's these sovereign citizenship guys out there who think that uh, all of this is unconstitutional. Yeah. I mean, you could go back to the administrative, the creation of the administrative state, which was, I believe, Woodrow Wilson back in the early 1900s, just said, you know what? Constitution, smonstitution, we don't need it. I know better. I'm just going to create my own version of government and administer it from the executive branch. Does that sound familiar? It does. It does sound familiar. And so started this long, uh, over century-long battle with these folks who think they know how to run the constitutional government better than the framers did. So do you need a driver's license? Well, I can tell you this. If you don't think you need one and you get caught driving without one, the government thinks you need one and you will get charged with driving without a license. That's what I thought. I was in a conversation with some one of my friends and they're like, you don't even need a driver's license. And I was kind of like, I, I think you do. They're like, ma'am, you don't. I'm kind of like, eh, well, maybe you don't, but. Yeah, you probably do. I think you do. You probably do. I mean, <laughs> this is like, uh, you know, the, you know it's, else? I mean, it's a privilege, not a right. Yeah. Driving is a privilege, not a right. Uh, remember, this is like Wesley Snipes. Remember, he just thought, like, he had this theory that he just didn't need to pay taxes because, like, these sovereign dudes got a hold of him and said, you know, all of these tax laws are unconstitutional. You don't have to pay them. So just don't. That was his excuse. Yeah. Didn't work out, did it? No. I think he might have got, if he didn't go to jail, he was, uh, I think he least, did go to jail. He was convicted of tax evasion or he had some big tax burden to, to make up. And that's why he made, uh, uh, what was the one passenger 57. But that's just the thing. I have a friend that we're going to bring back on the show, Norm Murdoch. He's been on the show before. Yeah, we'll bring Norm. Um, and, uh, he's going through a situation right now where somebody stole, uh, some property. Yeah. He knows who stole the property. This guy doesn't, this guy's on parole. Uh, he doesn't have a, uh, he's got a suspended driver's license. Yet we have video and photos of him driving to deliver stolen property that he stole from Mr. Norm. And yet we have contacted the authorities and they've let us know there's nothing they can do. So I'm kind of like, well, you got him photo. We got, we got evidence, just stacks of it. Silly. But they can, their excuse is we can't do anything about it at this time. Yeah. That's their answer. We can't do anything about it at this time, which we might maybe later, but he doesn't have a driver's license. Yeah. So, I mean, really, why would you even have one? Well, again, I mean, that's your prerogative. If you want to, if you want to test the waters on it, I this, mean, I have one. I'm going to go ahead and roll with it. I'm going to keep mine. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to roll with it. So, if anybody's out, but there this guy thinking, doesn't. He's out stealing. We've got him stealing, and it's all good. I, you know, I was just talking to somebody. This, this. Came I think up. he's wearing a mask though. He's, <laughs> so well, it's all gonna, good. We're going to get to the city's directives on some of this stuff because I think it's great. I was just talking to somebody about this. It's like the, it's never the it's the law-abiding folks are still going to do what they're supposed to do. It's like, the, but if you're if you're living on the outside, you're living outside the law. It's like you can get away with all sorts of stuff until you can't. 
you know, sooner or later, it catches up with you, or at least most people, it catches up. Now, it, like in your friend with, with Norm's situation, and I think we got to have Norm on to talk about this, but it's like that, that's sort of bogus. I mean, he, there was a theft. He was the victim of a theft and a break-in. Lots of uh, property was taken. We can prove who did it. What, and, you know, now the other thing that I should say is I am working on this. I've talked to some folks who are uh, who are going to look into this in law enforcement for Norm. Um, but I, I don't know what's going on out there, man. In, in this day and age, I mean, I'm getting – uh, it, it's, I'm getting concerned. You know, we have, uh, with, with everything shutting down, people aren't getting it. The police aren't interested. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. I guess, um, I had another question about jury duty, but I want to get, let's go with the jury, jury duty. What's up with it? You got to go. I got a call. I get these You're calls. On, are you, do you go to jury duty? I have not. I've Could, is there a conflict of interest if you were to get called? No, no. No. Uh, yeah, I didn't think so because I'm I'm pretty sure that I've heard before that like usually the the attorney that gets picked sometimes becomes what do they call there in the jury the the lead the lead the leader foreman foreman yeah or four person we should say in this day and age so sometimes the attorneys there they're like yeah I know the law I'll be the foreman yeah yeah no and no see jury I could be on jury dude Jeff from everybody knows him from lawyer talk was uh, summoned and he actually was on jury duty. Uh, I don't think he got picked to uh, to actually sit on a jury, but he was, in fact, uh, called, and he was on call, and he went over to court. I mean, they let him at least go run the docket and do his job. Um, but it, in theory, if there would have been a jury called up, he could have been uh, called to sit on the jury. Jason Banks, who was just uh, on, on jury duty. Oh, that's right. From, was, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 from Comedians on South High. Actually, on one of our episodes of Comedians on South High, at the end of it, he does briefly talk about uh, his experience in the jury, yeah, uh, I, he liked it. Well, you know, we ought to get him in here to, to talk about that because I think jury duty. First of all, let me tell you my theory on or my answer. When I always get these questions, um, I do not believe in getting people out of jury duty. Let me say that again. I do not believe in getting people out of jury duty. I do not help people get out of jury duty. I do not give them tips on how to get out of jury duty. I do not go over and say, hey, look, it's a hardship on this person or that person. Now, I'm not saying that it's not a hardship on everybody who gets called. I mean, I'm sure people, and and I do not believe in treating everybody identically. I find that to be absurd. So, um, you know, there's certain people whose hardships might be greater than others. And certainly that is for the powers that be that uh, excuse people from jury duty to decide. But I have chosen, as a matter of my practice, not to help. Um, I had somebody contact me recently. Can I, or he, uh, he got uh, called to sit on the grand jury. Now, the grand jury is not like you sit through trials, not like what Banks did. I do want to hear about Banks. But a grand jury is where they call in about 25 or so people, put them in a room, and it's like yay or nay. It's like the old town hall, you know. And the cops will come in and maybe even a witness or two will come in and they'll testify and say, you know, here's what we know about this case. Here's what we know about this crime. Uh, and then the prosecutor will say, all right, let's take a vote. Show of hands here. How many people think there's enough to charge him with a crime? And uh, the, the eyes have it. Um, it used to, they used to say you could indict a ham sandwich or a hole in the wall or whatever the saying would be. So it's pretty easy to get indicted. On the other hand, <coughs> there is a reason for the grand jury. It is to – it is to uh, it creates a check on the power of the prosecutor from indicting people without evidence and putting people through the process. 
certain jurisdictions, I think, have done a better job of using the grand jury as a as a means to screen cases than others. But every now and then it happens. And this is going on. I guess this is relevant for the police officer talk that we had. Um, you often hear about this when cops are accused of abuse uh, or uh, of um, um, excessive force. They usually put those to the grand jury. I mean, there's a, been a policy that the grand jury has to vote on that one way or another uh, because it, it sort of it lets the it makes it more objective in theory. I don't know. I don't know how much uh, how much that grand juries help put together conspiracy theories. Not conspiracy, but uh, what am I saying there? Like your RICO acts and your big cases and your yeah. big cases. There is a such thing as a grand jury subpoena. Yes, in federal court, we deal with this all the time where they'll have grand juries for months and months and months investigate, investigating a multi, uh, multi-level, multi-conspirator co-conspirator case, like a RICO case or a, uh, you know, <clears throat> a uh, mafia case or something. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be mafia, but I've had plenty of those. Um, now, you do have rights. So if, you're, if you're called to testify in front of a grand jury and say you're one of the people accused, you have a right to remain silent. They can't make you testify. But this is like um, maybe the closest thing is like the old. Everybody's seen like the Senate hearings or the Congress congressional hearings where they call in like Jimmy Hoffa to to give and and every question he just says I take the fifth I take the fifth I take the fifth like did you have sex with that two year old I take the fifth I mean they asked they, they got to the point where they're asking absurd questions just to make them take the fifth and sound like they really did it but. Yeah, you have a right to take the fifth. Now, when I represent somebody in front of the grand jury, I actually sit outside. I'm not allowed in. Secret. I'm not allowed to be there. I have to sit outside the room. Sometimes I'll give them a little piece of paper. I type it up. But the prosecutor can be in there. Prosecutor gets to be in there. Yeah. It's like a one-sided. No, it's just one-sided, right? It's their show, not mine. And in theory, it's secret. I, only in very limited situations can I get the testimony. But I'll send a witness in there and... Um, They'll have to testify. And I'll tell the prosecutor in advance, I'll say, look, you can call my person, my gal, my guy, but they're taking the fifth. All right, bring them down. I'm like, really? Yep, got to bring them down. So every question, I've sat there for six hours one time. My client goes in. They ask. I, I gave her, this was a she, I gave her instructions. And you can tell them your name, and you can tell them how old you are and some basic background. The second they ask you anything more than that, you either read what I give you right here, which is upon advice of counsel. I hereby assert my right to remain silent under the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution. Um, And then if you don't know what to do, you come back out and you're allowed to come back out and consult with me, your attorney, every question. So if a prosecutor is going to be a little unreasonable about making us go down there, sometimes lawyers might just say, I want you to walk out every, every single time. What's your age? Excuse me, I'd like to go consult with my lawyer. <laughs> now, how does that all end out? And Well, sometimes they give your client immunity. So they say, we're sorry, we're just going to go see a judge right now and give you immunity so you can't be prosecuted for the things you're about to say. And uh, then you have to answer. Then they can you know, put you in jail or do whatever. So the privileges at the grand jury, I don't even know how I got off on this tangent, but sort of interesting. So if you have a right to remain silent because it's going to, it could incriminate you in some sort of uh, bad behavior, then you can just refuse to answer. Uh, you can, in some situations, not answer if you're giving testimony against your spouse. In certain situations, 
the information they're asking might actually be privileged. So you, it could involve an attorney, an attorney-client privilege communication, maybe a priest, uh, maybe a doctor-patient communication, maybe a psychologist. You know, and each of those sort of gets sorted out as we go. Um, and this actually does come up, you know, more regularly than people think. There's that treasure hunter. I think he's in like Carolina somewhere, still sitting in jail. Because they had a grand jury, they wonder where the gold is. He found a bunch of gold. He found this 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 ship, this sunken ship, and I think the Carolinas saying it's ours. They're saying it's theirs. You know, they found it, and they're like, it's on our property. And, and he got called. And I think they gave him immunity. And all he had, then they asked him, "Where's the gold?" And he was like, "This, mom's the word." Mom's they're like, the word. So they said, He's been in jail for like years, and all he has to do, yeah, all he has to do to get out of jail is tell him where the gold is. Remember the movie, it was um, John Travolta, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, mm. Perfect. It's called I don't, Perfect. I don't remember that. It, it was either Perfect or it was uh, the American Gigolo with uh, Richard Gere. I, I think it was Perfect with John Travolta. He was a reporter for Rolling Stone, and he was it was, it was John Travolta. He was a reporter for Rolling Stone, and uh, he was involved on the side with this relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis and doing this expose on the health clubs back in the 80s, but... Uh, as a side story, I guess, he was being questioned about a story he wrote by the federal government. They subpoenaed him in to the grand jury and wanted him to reveal a source. And he said, nah, shackled him up, threw him in jail because he's held in contempt. And that's what's happening to Mr. Treasure Hunter. If you don't have a privilege, whether it's your privilege against self-incrimination, spousal, or any other ones that are out there, you have to answer. You can be compelled to answer uh, or you can be held in contempt. And remedies for contempt are sit in jail until you answer, sir. And that's what this guy has chosen to do. Now, usually somebody, somewhere the levy breaks, you know, sooner or later something happens. Yeah, I think he's been sitting in jail for well over five years. I hope it's worth it. I mean, it's got to be a lot of gold. I know, but still, man, five years, like, uh, uh, what's your, what's your, <clears throat> how long? I mean, say it's $10 million. Everybody's different. Say it's a billion bucks. How do you, it's, it's like it's like it's like screw you money. You never have to worry about anything ever again. You can just go leave somewhere and hide, and, and that's it. How many years do you sit? For me, none. Yeah, that's not worth it to me. Yeah, for me, yeah, yeah I'm not going to sit in jail. To, to, no. Yeah, and now, now if it's a gun to my head because somebody's going to kill me if I talk, you know, then it gets a little dicey. But I mean, I would tell where some of the gold is. I see you're changing the facts. <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you're changing. <laughs> you can't change it. Oh, you don't man. think this dude's sitting in He's trying to change it, or he would change it if he could. So anyway, grand jury. This uh, Can I get you out of grand jury? I don't even know because I never try. So here's what I told him. I said, it's an opportunity to participate in the greatest system of justice ever devised in the history of mankind. Though rendered imperfect by the human element, individual participation keeps at bay the one overwhelmingly corrupt force that can destroy freedom, the government. I believe in business, capitalism, freedom to pursue happiness and success, but the cost of these these things is your participation. It may sound cheesy, but I believe it. Take a break, enjoy the experience, you won't regret it. Um, And I've found by and large that people who do go participate in jury duty, probably like banks, whether it's grand jury or otherwise, never have come back and said, that was the worst thing I've ever had to do is miserable. I mean, it, in, in fact, it's almost always the opposite. Most people are, are intellectually challenged and fascinated by the whole thing. So that's my take. Can I get you out of jury duty? Here's the rules. I don't know. 
but maybe if it's a substantial hardship, etc. Some people ask me, what if I just go say I hate people accused of crimes or I hate women or I hate these and I, and, you know, I hate the police. Well, I mean, yeah, you can lie and commit perjury because you will be under oath when you say those things. Um, and, you know, that may get you out of jury duty. And now if you have a doctor's appointment or a family emergency, courts will generally give you a little bit of break. But just to just to say I don't want to go. Yeah. This case with Banks involves some police officers, and uh, they asked him there, I guess the question was, uh, I might be not exact, but I think he stated something like, they asked him, uh, do you believe that uh, police officers uh, sometimes abuse their authority and, and, you know, whatever the question was there, and he was like this, yes, I do. He was like, I thought for sure they were going to kick me off because I was like, oh, yeah, I, I think cops go crazy all the time. And he was waiting to get kicked off, and he was like, no, they kept me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, the defense liked you. Yeah, that was good for them. <laughs> that was good for them. Yeah. And they only get somebody to kick off, and maybe the prosecutor thought this or that. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, people, we as attorneys get to pick juries, and we can, we'll have this conversation with Banks here, so I'll truncate it. Yeah. I'll make it short. But, you know, we we do ask those kind of questions. Um, I don't know that I, I might have, I don't know the context well enough to know if I'd asked it that way, but... Often I ask people questions and, you know, generally what I tell people is, look, this is, we are all human beings and there are certain things that we just carry with us that cause us to think, man, if I ever got, those kind of things just offend me to the core. Or maybe you've been victimized or maybe somebody, you've you've got a personal experience that makes you uh, not good for that case. And, you know, we want people to be honest there because, it, you know, if you don't, if you're not honest, then it screws up the whole process. So well, I got called for jury duty in Lincoln County and I called up there and said, hey, uh, does it make a difference if I'm a felon? And they're like, uh, you won't be needed. Yeah, I'm sorry. No. And it, it, so is that the deal? Felons are not allowed on juries? Yeah, you're, you're disqualified, which is, hmm. you know, it's a it's a shame on the one hand. On the other hand, it sort of punctuates how we, uh, the importance of it, you know, they used to like in the, in the old days, you know, if you, in theory, trial by jury goes way, way back, I think to like Magna Carta and, uh, that's what they're, they attribute it to, but there was like some assize Henry the second time they started to do this kind of stuff, 1189 maybe, but, uh, it, it was, it, it was important that you have, um, a good jury, a fair jury, a jury is going to do the right thing. And if, you know, that, so anybody who wants to get out of it, maybe you shouldn't get out of it because next time you could be wrongfully accused of a crime or you could have a civil matter or somebody has wronged you or you felt like you were uh, wrongfully sued and you want a jury to decide your case. And you could be thinking to yourself, I wonder if everybody just phoned in to their attorneys and said, I don't want to do jury duty today. Like, what are you left with then? Like I said, man, I believe in the participation in this society. It, it is it is mandated in certain ways. Other ways, as we're about to talk about, I think it is uh, absurd. But anyway. So if the federal government drops their uh, marijuana laws, Does then will I be able to not be a felon? The question is this. If you have a marijuana I mean, conviction, because right now I paid the state of Ohio to smoke weed. Yeah. If you have a if you have a federal felony, yeah, and there's only a few misdemeanors out there, but if, if federal wise, uh, you have a federal felony for marijuana, 
if they legalize marijuana now, does your felony go away? The answer well, not go away, but is there a way to, to work with it? Because right now, what I've heard is no way. Yeah, no. I, I would I would guess no. I don't know, you know. In federal court, most felonies related to drug trafficking or drugs generally are not mere possessions. They almost always charge like a financial crime, whether it's money laundering. They almost always charge a conspiracy. They almost always charge something else. And, uh, you know, as the underlying offense would be gone, I guess, in today's day and age, maybe. Depends on how it gets law- or legalized, whether it's just wide open, do what you want. Um, but no, I'm guessing that uh, it will, those with convictions related to marijuana cases in federal and state courts probably will still have their convictions. Now, whether that, it, whether there is an explanation or some safety valve that uh, restores certain rights as a result of that, I don't know. That would be an interesting political uh, request of whoever's in charge, your representatives. You know, and it would make some sense, too. It's like, look, if I did it now, it wouldn't be a big problem, but here I am. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another example like that, but prohibition, prohibition. You know, alcohol. Yeah. That's about the closest you can get. Yeah. I mean, because uh, whenever they, you know, I mean, repealed it, repealed the prohibition, uh, the people that were incarcerated for bootlegging, moonshine, and whatever they were caught up with weren't let out. I mean, they still, they, you know, I mean, they they were still charged when they broke the law when the law was that. And then when they changed it, you know, what's interesting about that? There's a couple little nuances to it. It was like the Volstead Act, right? That um, was enacted with the authority of a constitutional amendment. And was it the 20, uh, 20, I'm drawn by 20, 21st amendment. I don't remember. Yes. I want to say you're right. Uh, I'm just a lawyer. I went to law school. Why would I know that? Anyway, that's, um, uh, it was, so now they change it. They amend it back or they get rid of it and they repeal it. And, uh, here we are. What happens if you were convicted and you're sitting like, say you got charged like the day before. And then what happens the day after? I'll bet you all those cases got dismissed. Now, what about cases that were already in the system and pending? Well, you know, those probably got dismissed. What about the cases that were already resulted in convictions and who were sitting in jail? Did they get released automatically? I don't think they did. No. I don't think they did. Um, there is a term we use in law school or law. It's called is it, it's called retroactivity. In other words, does this apply retroactively? And there's different rules, and it gets really nuanced. And sometimes the statute, like, when they write the new statute, they can say, Yes, it applies retroactively, um, or no, it doesn't, and uh, that can carry the day. Short of that, it's not always obvious um, what to do with it. There's like different constitutional tests people use, et cetera. So anyway, that's a good question. Uh, so back to jury duty, you should go. Um, we were talking a little bit in the context of that <clears throat> about the government and the government's authorities. And by the way, there is a thought. The government can make you, you know, they can go grab people off the streets. In theory, it's called a talisman. They can grab people off the streets and drag you into. To be a juror. To be a juror. Yeah. They can go to, down to the diner. They go down to the diner and say, hey, look, what you got What you got going on? Oh, just enjoy my lunch. Hey, tell you what, we're going to hang right here while you finish up. And we're going to take a walk with us. You're going to jump in. I actually had that happen one time. They were on the streets trying to grab people. Didn't work out. But, uh we have a situation now with COVID. It's it's almost impossible not to discuss it. Uh, DeWine's new orders of the day. <laughs> He's got new orders coming out tomorrow. Today is Wednesday. Tomorrow is the Thursday, the 19th. Today's the 18th, I believe. Yeah. 
And last week he had he sort of tickled around whether he was going to shut all the bars and restaurants down. You know, and he did, and everybody was expecting that he was going to shut it down. Which who knows, he still might. And here's something that that a lot of people don't think about. So you're a restaurant owner. You've been getting shit on now for how many ever months? It is eight months now. And so you're thinking the government the governor's probably going to shut us down on Thursday. So here you are Friday or Monday, and you have to order your food. Mm. How much do you order? Yeah, this is the How stuff. Much, you know, I mean that that. So you're sitting back, and because you're gonna have spoilage, it's 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 protein. It's it doesn't last. So if you order to the regular amount that you've been, because you got to remember, then you got your numbers are off skew because <clears throat> you've been hammering out to where you average this, 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 this. Now, now the numbers went up and down. You're trying to keep everything in. You've reduced your menu. You now and places like I'll bring it up again here. The Ghost Riders uh, Public House in Johnstown, Ohio, absolutely love it. When they reopened up, their menu was smaller because they had to. But now they've been adding to it. You know, they brought some steaks back, brought things back. But now they got to sit around. And it's like, well, if because because they don't know. See, that's that's the bullshit. Is that the governor just dangles and threatens and said. Uh, a week ago, he said, if numbers don't go down in Ohio, I'm going to have to close down the bars and restaurants. That's yeah. what he said. And the numbers haven't come anywhere near, his numbers haven't come anywhere near to going down. So everybody's anticipating, well, he's going to close this down. I mean, that's the talk on the street. My business, people have been bulking up and buying. Toilet paper's running out, paper towels running out again. People have been scared by the authorities. So now here you are trying to place your order with the meek man, and you're like... How much do I order? If I order too much, or if I order the the normal amount, but we are closed now, what do I do with the food? It's going to spoil. It's it's not going to go. Or you're like, so you're anticipating it, so you order less, and then you hear, no, oh, you can stay open, and then people come in, they're like, what do you mean you don't have any hamburger? What do you mean this is ridiculous? And and it just and not only that the stress and the unknown and them trying to move their numbers around and and save their business, so Dwine comes out with uh, <laughs> COVID comes out at night, COVID comes out at night, it's like, COVID comes out at night. You hear this word? <laughs> so from ten to five, you hear this word curfew. He says that he's going to put on a curfew, and I was like, what does that mean? To me, a curfew is, like if my dad said, you're to be home at 9, that means you're to be home at 9. That's a curfew. Um, his curfew is that he wants Ohioans to be at home from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Unless you work a second or third shift, unless you're going to get groceries, unless you're going to pick up food, unless you're going to get medical assistance, unless... and and so then I was thinking, I was like, well, if there's a 10 o'clock curfew, I was like, that must mean the restaurant's got to close at what, eight, nine o'clock? Because if there's a curfew and it's real, that means you'd be like, all right, everybody, we got to close down because everybody has to be home, right? Is now the so, restaurant complicit? So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so now you should. But then he said this, no, curfew's at 10, but restaurants can continue to serve till 10. This, 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 there's so much so, wrong with this. I, I mean, it begin. doesn't make uh, any damn sense. So, and, but he did say, they're like, well, what would happen there, Mr. DeWine? And he said, well, it's a second degree misdemeanor. Uh, could be 90 days in jail and up to $750 fine. But this is even in his statement. I read this from the dispatch where I'm getting it. Uh, he said, but it's not like law enforcement is going to be enforcing it. 
No, it's not going to be law enforcement. He's got his brown so shirt. So he just around. threatened down with a fine. Oh, that's right. He did write, read that in there, though. It did say that it was the health department that, that'll be getting people. So. Oh, my gosh. So I, what I, does I, that mean? So that means that, like, you can order till 10 o'clock. So now if you're walking down the street, the health department, brown shirt comes up to you. He's like, hey, what have you been doing, buddy? He's like, ah, I just left, uh, you know, the old Cracker Barrel. And uh, great oh, biscuits oh, and gravy. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're cool. You're cool. But then how do you know? It's like, well, you got a receipt? Do you have a receipt? Is this Miami University? Do you have your taco receipt? Right. What time did you buy that what last taco? So can we search you to see for find your receipt? Or if you're in the car and they stop you and they're like, where are you going? You're like this. I'm, I'm going to Kroger. What is this? You know, it's like, what next? Checkpoints? Well, and then think about this, too. There are a lot of people, including me, and you said it, too. You like the early morning. I like the late at night to go do some shopping. Because there's like nobody there, right? You can space it out. But now that you, even though you can still go shopping, he's trying trying to condense down to where you had a few hours where people were, were doing things. Well, and now see, they only have, see, so now you, now you got more people packed in. This is so everybody can be together. We're all in this together. All no, we're not. Asking. Because he even said this. He said, this Thanksgiving, if somebody comes to your house, don't let them in. Even if they're family or friends, if they're from, if they're not within your bubble, don't let them in. Don't let them in. Don't let friends in. Don't let family in. Don't. It's like I'm sorry. I know you're hungry, but yeah, no, can't let you in. I know you haven't seen your grandmother in like eight years, but don't worry. Can't come over here. You're not in our bubble. And and so then you know I was I just lost train of thought there. So there was somewhere else that that well, you said what's going on is the adverse impact of this is that they are condensing everybody to all go out at the same time. Yeah, right. So it's like I get up at three thirty to four a.m. every morning. Why? Because I'm a lunatic. I don't care. But that's what that's how I roll. I used to get a lot of shopping done at four and five in the morning when crap was open. I'd go to the all night, like Walmart. There was a Walmart super center. I would go get that stuff done. Uh, the Home Depot used to open at 5 a.m. and I'd roll over there and get my stuff. And I did that particularly during the initial COVID scare because I was like, listen, I'm not going to be, I'm just going to do my thing when it's the easiest and most uh, and the safest time to do it. Nobody else is around in those hours or very few people. I can keep my social distance and I'm just going to go get done what I need done. Now, if I do that, I can be charged with a crime and I'm going to start unpacking all this crap because the first thing you said, this restaurant stuff fascinates me because you were in the restaurant business and you've, you've gone on this either on the show or with me before. And I love business. I, I love, I love what people, I am forever fascinated at how business owners are able to do what they do. Like the, all that goes into it. And in the restaurant side, I think people take for granted all that goes into it. Everything that they have to do. They have to, I mean, it's not just being able to give you a plate of food at your, like what, what before happens? Uh, but, or what happens before they give you that plate of food? It's like what has to happen? All the decisions that have to be made. All the uh, financial decisions, logistical decisions, the staffing decisions, the uh, lighting, dis everything that you do goes into that. And it's dynamic and it's very difficult. And unless you're in it every day, you can't do it. You don't know what a Friday is like at your restaurant until you've been through multiple. Now you could write it out and have your business plan and take your best shot. But the only way to learn that is to experience it over time. 
Restaurants are just now getting back where they're like, all right, it sucks. We hate this nonsense. We're going out of business slowly, but we're hoping that uh, sooner, sooner rather than later, they're going to let us go back to the real world here. And, uh, and we're just, we're just, we, we've, we've plugged as many leaks as we can. We're not sinking as fast as we thought. Now we can maybe make it through the year until this nonsense. And, uh, now they don't know how much food to order this week. You got to remember, he still could be closing them down tomorrow. Right. And this is a week. So I, I, I want everybody listening to ask yourself, what does it look like in your world if you don't get paid for a week or worse yet, you go spend money thinking you can sell that commodity. And get your money back plus a 10, 15% profit at best, at best, maybe 6%, who knows? And then you're not allowed to sell your stuff. Like this is not like, oh, that sucks for the restaurants. You know, it's really hard on them and they're going to stress. No, this is like, they get whacked. Like they get cut in half. They get, they are either, they have to make a choice either not to buy products that they're going to, or food that they're going to sell, spoilables, like you said, perishable stuff, that they're commodity stuff that they're going to sell, or they have to buy it knowing that they may not be allowed to sell it. It's not like, oh, look, we're going to have a bad night on Friday because there's a game in town. It's like, no, look, we're going to have a bad night on Friday because this governor of ours is saying, or may say, you're, we're not allowed to stay open. I, you know, don't, I'm just trying to put a spin on, or, or a way to describe this to really, really give the, the the gravity of it its due because it's not just they don't get paid. They have to, it's like they may lose more than, the, it's not just lost yeah. income. It's like you have to, you have, you have to buy stuff and not be able to sell it. You have to tell your staff, I'm going to pay you to be here. You're on the schedule. And now you're now, if, and if you renege on that, you may not get your staff back when they, it's like, this is, there's so much more to this than these people uh, give it credit and they, he he whitewashes through this stuff like oh we've got the tools it's like screw you dude and i'd say you know it's like he doesn't have the tools the only tool he's got is he's a dictating orders like the tools like oh yeah the tools are you're gonna get fucked dude and you're gonna i'm gonna put you in this choice where you have uh where it's almost impossible for you to decide even if i don't close you down what to do this week and this really does help twist the knife in the back of small business uh, you give allowances to the box stores, uh, you know, I mean the, the home depots, the Walmarts, the big companies there, mm-hmm. they get breaks, they can do what they want to do. They're allowed to, it sticks it to the small businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, Olive Garden, I forget the, there's like a three branches, Olive Garden and, uh, Red Lobster, uh, I, I forget the name of it. Uh, but anyhow, they're, they're turning great numbers. Uh, multiple reasons a everybody like everybody else has reduced their menu has gone down in size but you see they had backing of all of these stores and all of this power here they they, they've they've got they've they've got the backing to where you go down to every individual mom and pop every small business which those are the real ones those are the ones that you become a family member of the family that owns the business they're going to this market to buy the food to sell you like they are going shopping themselves so to prepare the food for you this week. I mean, look, think it's like you told grandma, this is what this is this week. You told grandma Blinsky, we're going to be there for Thanksgiving. And she goes out and I've had to shop. The first time as an adult, I had to shop for Thanksgiving. I realized how expensive it really is, but it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go prepare a meal for a bunch of people. And then, then you just don't show. 
And you can be like, oh, no big deal. Grandma makes food. It's like, no, it is a big deal. She lost a thousand bucks because nobody showed up and it's just gone. She can't eat it all. She didn't want to, and all the time that she spent making it all, and it's just going to waste. And it's not just going to waste, and it's sad that you're throwing food away. It's going to waste that grandma's effort and work went into it, her money went into it, and that's it. It's lost. Black Friday. Black Friday was always a huge number for my yeah. retail store. We had prize spinning wheels. We had early morning deals. We had, it was like a party, right? And we were always so busy. And now it's just like, so now what do we do? And, and, and you see the advertisements and I haven't told my guys, I was like this, starting this Friday, every Friday is Black Friday. We'll have different list specials and deals. I sent you and in, in the beard a picture of my security footage. And it was funny because I looked at the camera and there was nobody in there, I had two employees, and they were both wearing their mask. And which, in my opinion, they could take it down, but they were wearing it, mainly because you can see in from outside, and the Gestapo, somebody could call it in. Mm-hmm. So even though they were far enough apart and, and working together all day, and for the past three or four months in Westerville, everybody's been wearing a mask. Yeah, this is, uh, and I, you know, we got old Doc Pulaski on the horn on this one too. It's like, he's got some insight on masks that uh, I think is going to be helpful. But I, t- I text him, it's like, why, why are we drawing this conclusion that, all right, so we're doing a great job and most people are wearing their masks, but the numbers are still going up. And look, I'm not going to take a position yet that that means the masks are causing the numbers to go up. Nor am I going to take a position that uh, wearing masks doesn't work at all. But I am going to say, if you're not permitted to take those positions logically, and I don't believe that you are, then you can't say that more masks will stop it, right? I mean, it's like if most people are wearing masks and numbers are still going up, then masks clearly aren't enough to curb it, and yet they're saying you have to wear masks. And maybe that's what he's saying, you know, since nobody's, but he's not, though. He's saying since nobody's wearing masks and we're not, you know, we're not doing good enough or well enough and I'm not seeing mask wearing, then we're going to just go ahead and shut it down. It's like they're, they're all over the board with their consistency on this. And another thing that you brought up relative to um, to the food ordering and stuff. This is the problem. I'm going to use the nasty word with socialism. This is the problem with it. And if you if you go back and look economically at what the Soviet Union has gone through and other social like cram down top heavy government run private business or government takeover private business, uh, you end up like uh, what's the best analogy? It's like uh, well, stockpiling and hoarding is is a is a first thing that happens. So, if the government's in charge and and you know everybody pays the whatever, and they say, hey, look, you're you make tires. How much rubber you need? This I need all of it. We'll we'll take it all. So all right, you get it all. Well, then the guy, uh, the guy, other people who need rubber don't get any. It's like everybody's experiencing this right now with toilet paper. Right? This is the problem with that. And then so you're going to order more, and then you have to tweak something else to make that work. I guess um, I'm doing remodeling. You ever done drywall work? You ever tinker with drywall? I have. So, you know, like the, you, one of the things that I've watched that the pros do, they hit it and then they stop until they come back the next day. If you keep trying to monkey with it, you only make it worse. So it's like, all right, I got this, I got this corner here and I got this butt joint here and they both touch. So I think I can do them both. So you hit it one, you get it just right, and then you go try to do the other side and you screw up the first one, and then you got to fix the other thing that you left before. It's just like it's a never-ending problem. It's just constantly a problem. And that's what happens when you try to cram down this stuff from above. It's like you, you, you cannot tell 
everybody how much food to order because it's different in every single restaurant. You can't, <laughs> you just can't do it. So that's why this stuff doesn't work. I guess I would say next we were talking. Well, you know, and, and on there too, he's changed a few things, <clears throat> including funerals and weddings down to the weddings, no singing, no dancing. Uh, they can do the bride and groom can have their first dance. You must be seated. No uh, buffets, no plate of cheese cubes and, 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 and fruit. Um, and if you want to drink, you must be served it. No more walk-up bars. So you have to be served it, and you can only remove your mask if you are consuming liquid or food at that time, which means, like, take a bite, put your mask back on. They want it, like, down, up, down, up. Yeah, they want you touching your face a lot. Like, when you touch silverware and you just, you know, keep touching your face is what they want, I suppose. Um, it, it's... It's it's getting a little little a little bit much to handle in in multiple ends, you it know. Is, I, I I I I did it myself there where I was like, you know what? I put the news down and I told you I was like I I didn't watch local news, I didn't watch CNN, I didn't watch Fox, I didn't watch anything. But then it started coming closer to home, you know, where I had to go back to listening to the speaker in the sky at two o'clock of DeWine because I have a business and it does, you know, I I can't totally. I wish I could just. Go to the hills, you know, but, but I can't. And so I was listening to it. And then just the other day, I've been listening to more music. I told you this morning, Chris Stapleton is, if you've never listened to it, he's, he's, he's a excellent musician. And I was just like, man, I just want to go to a honky tonk. Mm, I just yeah. want to go sit in the corner and watch some live music. I'm not saying I want to go to a big concert. And I, I just want to go see Dwayne Knapper play. I just want to go see somebody strum the guitar and and yeah, play some old country music. That's just really what I want. But that's not there. Well, what we got here, and this is a good segue to it. It's like, what happens, first of all, can he do this? Is Dwayne doing it? Well, he's doing it under these old emergency uh, power provisions that probably think of way back to the Spanish flu in the early part of this, was it 1918, whatever it was. Uh, and that sort of gives this what he, what clearly DeWine and others are perceiving as this plenary power to do whatever the hell they want to do is just call it an emergency. We can do whatever we do. I hate this. I hate this with a, with a, uh, with everything in my being. Do I hate this? The executive branch having that kind of power, I find it to be, uh, absolutely, uh, reprehend. I, I, I cannot stand it. I understand the need for it at times. But, you know, our General Assembly has said, has tried to put a check on this here in Ohio. I think it was like Senate Bill 311 or something like that. And I didn't, I haven't dug into it. But, you know, what if this, what if the General Assembly, we have three branches of government. You've got the executive branch, you've got the judicial branch, and you have the legislative branch. So let's say the legislative branch passes a law that says, all right, here's the theory behind emergencies, Mr. DeWine. The theory behind emergencies is we don't have time to act. Now, the legislative branch is the one that typically would pass law. We're the ones that legislate. We create law. Judicial branch uh, gets to test it to see if it violates any other constitutional provision. Uh, the executive branch gets to enforce it. They have control over certain enforcement things like uh, law enforcement. And it, it's a nice little balance of powers. Um, but we understand that there are certain things like emergencies where we don't have time to gather the, the General Assembly and, and debate it. We can't have the experts testify on the floor. We can't uh, argue with each other. We can't take a vote. We can't represent the people of the state of Ohio 
in a timely fashion to deal with this emergency. Fine. Now you give the power to the executive to do, take some emergency action. And there's some limits they have to do. It can't be unreasonable, and I'm sure it can't violate other constitutional things to some degree anyway. Um, so why not? What if you just said, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to reevaluate the emergency every two weeks with a bipartisan review committee. In other words, not political. You can have everybody involved. And we're going to determine, that even if it's just a limited question, can, do we have time on the floor to debate this and pass the law? Uh, to bring in the experts to say, all right, mask wearing works, mask wearing doesn't work, um, shutdowns work, shutdowns don't work. These businesses are more dangerous than these. Weddings are more dangerous than you know, than protests. You know, whatever it is, at least then you could have a public debate. And we as citizens of this state and this country and other citizens of their states could at least know that the person they voted for is debating this or it, they're represented in some way. So what if, what if they pass that law and the governor would say, I'm going to veto it. I'm not going to let you pass that law. I'm not going to follow that law. Well, then you know, I guess you could, you could go back and there's probably an override in the, in the General Assembly. But it's very telling that DeWine has said he would veto any law that would put a check on his emergency powers. And that's telling to me because why the hell not? How does he know better? How does that guy know better? Does, he not, does our General Assembly not have access to the same experts? Do they not, or, or even more perhaps? I mean, I'm asking rhetorically, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not saying I know or he's wrong. Like, but why wouldn't, like, what is the danger here? Well, the danger is there is no end to that then. There is no end in sight. Once you have that power, if you're going to, if you're never going to give it up because you have learned in your own head that you know better, trust me, I know better how you should run your restaurant in Johnstown, Ohio, Ghostwriter. I know better. I know better. I can do it. I know better how you can protect your family. I know better. I know better, and, and I'm not going to hear any debate about it because it's such an emergency that there's no time for such debates. Well, and now it's a crime, apparently. It's a misdemeanor in the second degree, says 90 days in jail, $750 fine. Um, so, so it's like so just go to home. Now you want to steal a car? That's cool. You want to go to Kohl's and you need, you need some new pants and a shirt? Just go take it. Yep, take it. Which is interesting because Zach Klein, city of Columbus prosecuting attorney, as I read this uh, the, a week ago or so ago, there is now uh, some policy in place directing the Columbus Police Department not to arrest folks for nonviolent misdemeanors like theft. So combine that. I, I sent you guys a text. I sent the, the crew here a text. I was sitting there sort of listening to this nonsense last week, and I thought, you know, this is interesting. So... And you had the same revelation when you were at dinner with yeah. your family. It's like, so I could go into a, if I'm a crafty shoplifter in the city of Columbus, I'm going to go in without a mask. Or I'm going to go in and then sneak around and then take my mask off. And I'm going to start stealing stuff. And you can catch me if you want. But Columbus is not going to arrest me it's going to be sent back to for somebody else later to decide whether I should be summoned. So I probably have a good fake idea while I'm doing this, whether I should be summoned back to court or even charged. Uh, so there's no, you know, there's no penalty there. But not only that, I'm going to make it so the brown shirts come and at least give you a warning. And if this is your second, 
They're going to they're going to shut you. That guy down. stealing from you wasn't wearing a mask. We have to close you down for twenty four hours. That's right. So we're not yeah. going to charge him with a crime, but you no. let patrons in there without masks. So you're shut down for 24 hours. How about that one? Or since you violated the order, you can be charged. I wonder if you're going to get summoned on these M2s or whether they're just going to give you uh, give you. I mean, they could, I suppose. So it, there, there's out there like city police, state police, and then there's like these administrative law enforcement folks. ODNR, High Department of Natural Resources, Bureau of Motor Vehicles has some. Now DeWine does with the Department of Health, and he's sending out his brown shirts, his folks who are going to monitor this and decide what to do about shop owners. I mean, this is the stuff that scares the piss out of me. I'm just going to be perfectly blunt about it. And all you out there that disagree, I welcome you to send me an email and whatever. You can come talk about it. I'm perfectly, I love to talk about it. I love debating this stuff. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Convince me otherwise. But um, we've got this weird, bizarro negative world where the administrative police forces are going to have more power than the city police forces. Than the police, yeah. Stormtroopers overtake. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know what else is crazy? Let's talk turkey. The poor turkey farmers. You know why? Because the average Same bot was, was, was a 14-pound bird. Okay? Now, you got to remember, they, they, they do the math. Okay? It's not like they're just like, the turkey, I've got one big one. They do it to when they get their shipment of turkeys in, their, their chicks in, and they grow, that they're going to grow and they're going to feed they're gonna, to this certain point. Well, right now, since... Don't let your family in. Everybody's doing smallers. So now people want smaller birds. So they have too many 14-pound birds, and people want 8-pound birds, or they just want the breast. And uh, the whole industry of the turkey industry is uh, taking a pretty big hit because of uh, the— Same thing, people right? won't, Supply and demand. Supply and demand. So they don't want the big birds. The small birds they usually make less of because people want big birds— now they got less right. small birds, so they got the small how birds that they got. How much feed do you buy to feed them? How long and, do you keep them? Well, then it like, got to a point where they're like, how far is this going to go? Because uh, they had to, you know, mean exterminate part of their, their, their harvest before. Because it's like, I can't pay to keep feeding them and housing them when I know that they're going to get too big and I'm not going to sell them. I already know the sales are going to be down. So how much loss do I take? How much, you know, I mean, what am I going to, where, where's this going to go? Yeah, how am I laying this off now? Yeah. So the, the bird people, the turkey people are, are not, not, they're under some very new circumstances. This happens every time the government intervenes into the free market. I'm here to tell you that it always happens. It cannot, it, it has ripple effects that go far beyond anybody's comprehension. I, I don't profess to know how many birds a turkey farmer should raise and they know because they've done it for years and years and years it's like you don't just wake up one day and say you know what i'm going to do i'm going to start i'm going to start raising thanksgiving turkeys and then know exactly how to do it no it doesn't work that way you've been in the business you've been in the industry you've seen other people do it you know a thing or two about the market and what the market forces are and now you've got this weird one coming in and it's not like um there was a storm it's not like there was um uh, hurricane or whatever it would be. It's like, no, it's DeWine or it's the, it's the government saying, sorry, we're going to cancel Thanksgiving. We know that you raised birds for the last eight months, but uh, we're just going to cancel Thanksgiving. And uh, Or even worse, like you pointed out, 
we may cancel Thanksgiving. We may. We may. And I know it's <coughs> a, I know it's uh, September, and you got some birds to raise or whatever. With July, probably. I don't know when they start. Yeah, earlier. Butchering them. But yep. Like you got to make a decision there, turkey farmer. You gonna keep feeding these birds? Or you just gonna let them? You gonna go kill them now? And then how you gonna kill them? Like what's the death? They process? feed them. They feed them to the hogs, usually. If you well, have multiple there, you, or, or, or you don't have the hogs because yeah, or you, you the just, same problem. You just put them in the ground. You just bury, bury them. All. I mean, the, it's like compost them. Yeah, think about this. I mean, it is like this is it's a disaster. So I, I guess so. The, I guess the people far out there would say that's why we need the government to control everything so this stuff doesn't happen. It's like yeah, good luck with that one. We're gonna have probably about thirteen, maybe fifteen. I'm not sure if Shorty's parents are coming or not, but uh, at an undisclosed location, we are having Thanksgiving. There's gonna be about thirteen family members. We've never had a big one where we've had the 50 or this and that, you know what I mean? So, like I say, it's uh, I think it's about uh, maybe like 13 of us. Yeah, and I guess the other way to, and, you know, it's a good point. You've never had the big one, but some people do. And then you can't have Thanksgiving, but you can you can protest. And maybe not now. Is that How's that going to run afoul? Let's say I want to organize a march. I want to organize a, uh, a uh, anti-COVID march. No, not anti-COVID march. What if it's an anti-police march? What if it's yeah? A pro, you can do that. You what if it's that. a pro-police march? You can do that. Maybe, Those are good. Maybe what pro if, pro-police? No. What if it's an no. anti-Dewine march? What if it's a pro-Dewine march? What if it's any march at all? How are you gonna? It's like how is that gonna get administered uh, uniformly? It, it just isn't. And you know our right to assemble, our rights to to be free, are right now under attack. And everybody's going to roll their eyes and say, come on. You got to call it what it is. And so this curfew act is a three-week bender here. It starts on the 19th, so that goes. Want to bet? You know, so that'd be, uh, let's see here, one week, two week, three weeks. So we would be like uh, middle of December, like around December 10th. Yeah. Whenever that it would get really, but, but but it really it's it's when he, when it's, he, it's 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 it, 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 it doesn't even exist. It's not even real. Because like I say, you can go pick up food, you can go grocery shopping, you can go to the gas station, you can go you can go do all of this from ten to five, and they can still serve till ten, which means that you're not going to be home at ten. Curfew means be home at ten, but if you're allowed to order at ten, you get your food at ten thirty, and you leave it at eleven o'clock. You get home at eleven thirty. So here, here's you're you're bringing up a good point. So here's the deal: if this impacts a constitutional right, say the constitutional right to travel, like there's interstate travel restrictions in Kentucky and other states, it's like it it is it is judged. You heard the Supreme Court argument I had. There's standards of review that you have to if you have a law or an order or some government action that impacts a constitutional right, like the right to travel or your right to a freedom. What do you of mean Kentucky has an interstate? I don't. I don't I'm, I you, think you, Kentucky has uh, limited interstate travel. Or some states have like you can't just go across the border for any willy-nilly reason checkpoint what, what do you mean <laughs> look it up man it's like it, i think that they, they, their governors are saying things like they don't want you uh traveling stay home but this is america oh well so the question is how do you judge that well you look at um whether it impacts constitutional right u.s supreme court has said you do have a right to travel amongst the states and then the issue is, is the regulation, is the order, is the law, is it, is it narrowly tailored to meet a legitimate government interest, as narrowly tailored as possible? It's got to be judged with strict scrutiny if it impacts an individual constitutional right. And then you've got these, these crazy, all over the board, 
orders that just seem to have no rational basis even because that's the lowest standard of review. And it's like, it's not rational to say you can serve food until 10, but then you can't be out after 10. It's not rational to say we can enforce this uniformly and allow all these other exceptions. It's like, what if I ran out of gas and I'm walking and I get pulled over? It's like, think of all the other adverse consequences. This is what always bugs me about things like gun control. Oh, yeah, gun control. We can just buy back all the guns. All right, well, now you're letting the brown shirts into your house to start looking for guns. You know, it's like, don't, everybody thinks that their version of the government, their version of the enforcement officers, their version of, of administration of this will not be corrupt when every other version of government has been corrupt since the beginning of mankind. And both sides of the aisle, I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, or whatever the hell you are. It is built of humans. It is always corruptible. So now think of what they can do. I mean, if, to, and under the guise of enforcing these kind of orders, they can virtually stop you for any reason just to see. Like, this is, this is, it's like, can I see your papers, please? It's like, it's like that kind of stuff. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting pissed. All right. Any more questions? Yeah, I'm done with them. Done with the questions. I'm done with the questions. I got a couple more. We'll get them next time. But anyway, that was a, that was a fun little lawyer talk. <laughs> Maybe not. All right. Well, here's what, here's what we got going on. We are, uh, we are staying the course here at channel five one one. I'm going to, I'm going to go out for a jog about ten oh one tonight. Um, walk my dog. See what happens. Four fifty tomorrow. I mean, I do get up. You in the should walk the dog at like three in the morning. Because Thursday's when it takes effect, so that'd be midnight, wouldn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> so I do sometimes walk my dog that early. Actually. You might be allowed to. I if it's walking. It, there's so many. It, it's not even real. It, no, it's just this thing. But anyway, uh, lots of stuff uh, not going on because of this. We had the comedian show that had to get canceled. Hopefully, uh, not for good. We're gonna keep that going. Comedians on South High happening. Uh, those, uh, we got a lot of good feedback from the Leslie Albite, uh, college, uh, episode that came out this week. So, uh, more to come on that front too. other uh, guests coming in on guns, et cetera. So we're, uh, we're going to start taking it all on. Um, it sounds good. Why? Cause Freddie B makes it sound good. Looks good. Why? Because photo Dan makes it look so good. Uh, lots to, uh, see and do on channel five, one, one. If you want your own podcast, if you think you got the chops to sit at the round table with us, all you have to do is reach out lawyertalkpodcast.com, go to channel five, one, one.com, uh, and just shoot us a note. We'll try to get you in. Uh, until then, this is lawyer talk off the record on the air until now.